Chapter Five of From Alien to Citizen: The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Five: Looking for Work and the First Sunday. With morning came the still unsolved question, what to do for a living. My friends suggested that I go from one hotel to another in the hope that my languages would be of value. Accordingly, with the borrowed capital of twenty-five cents in my pocket, I rode in the elevated, a great luxury in those footsore days. From that vantage point I could at least see how the other half lived. Occasionally I now ride on that ungainly structure to revive old impressions, and always in the hope that those swift glimpses of the privacy of the poor will inspire me to interpret this vitoscope in some superb way. Now that I know these avenues, without and within, I realize more than ever how little power I have for the task, and how futile would be the attempt." the rapid view of tidy parlors and stuffy bedrooms in which men have dreamed away misery and risen with new hope the ugly fire escapes dangerously full of household goods temporarily out of use the wonderful festooning of wash lines tier upon tier with their motley array of clothing waving in the wind all this interests me now as it astonished me then tousle-headed women lean out of the windows to catch a breath of air relaxing between the monotonous tasks of the day children play in the balconies like birds in their cages one has a fleeting vision of backs and heads bending over the day's task as oblivious to the rush and roar of the traffic as if it were part of the mechanism of the universe there are dingy lofts in which machinery drives the workers and the hunger for wealth drives both lodging-houses whose windows are covered by almost impenetrable dust through which one dimly sees rows of chairs with half-asleep men the bright spots are furnished by an increasing number of the mystic three balls and enormous stretches of gold lettering signs extolling the virtues of various breweries then through blocks of dangling old clothes into more roar of traffic and at last that glorious oasis city hall park whose grateful shade i learned to know and whose benches afforded me many a bit of sleep in those hard days of the past all this i saw on that journey downtown on the elevated i think that downtown and uptown are the first english words i learned in new york Ah but i must not forget my earliest glimpse of brooklyn bridge the one redeeming feature of that nightmare of a journey the marvellous spider-web of steel reminded me of the bridge of the judgment which the fancy of the rabbis built long before the new world had risen into the consciousness of the old the rabbis say that in the day of judgment two bridges will lead across the depths of gehenna into the land of bliss one of them built of heavy beams will look strong the other will be like a spider's web resting upon the clouds the multitudes of those risen from the dead will be asked to cross those who are gross and earthly and have no faith will crowd upon the solid-looking structure of heavy beams while the righteous who have trusted in jehovah will go over the one poised high and loftily upon the clouds when the multitude of those who lacked faith is within sight of the other shore the bridge will break and they will go down into the eternal death but those who trusted in jehovah will pass safely over this celestial brooklyn bridge into paradise 
one thing is sure a greater multitude of israel crosses the brooklyn bridge than the rabbis ever saw in their most fantastic visions of the day of judgment but as yet the righteous and the wicked use this half celestial thoroughfare in common i began my search for a job at the astor house but was not received as cordially as when i came there in later years with bag and baggage in fact i was rather uncivilly told that they did not need any dutchmen a more polite refusal met me at a hotel further uptown on fourteenth street in the german hotel i was offered an assistantship at the bar which i refused at the fifth avenue they would none of me altogether i visited some twenty of the leading hotels how i spent the twenty cents of my borrowed capital i do not know but it is needless to say that i did not take a meal at any of the hostelries i visited i walked from twenty-third street to eightieth street and arrived home tired and discouraged the day had not been altogether fruitless for i learned that timetables toilet appliances and stationery are free at the hotels i had also learned that i was a dutchman and the difference between downtown and uptown i had seen city hall park and the brooklyn bridge had a glimpse of new york private life from the elevated and learned to eat bananas the right way certainly all this was cheap for twenty-five cents two ways were left open to me one was to write home tell them of my plight and ask for financial assistance this i was much too proud to consider the second was to go to work at the cloak trade the sure harbor of refuge for those who are unfit for the harder tasks and whose attainments have as yet no market value fortunately the next day was sunday not only could i rest but it was an opportunity to find a job sunday is the day when acquaintances meet in the coffee-houses and the greenhorn becomes the subject of conversation and consideration that first sunday in the united states brought distinct impressions it was one of those light-flooded days of which new york has so many the avenue was crowded by throngs at leisure many of the worst noises had ceased and from open windows were wafted the mingled odors of coffee and cinnamon cake the children looked unusually clean saloons were closed in front and i could hear church bells ringing men and women were strolling or going to church and we did not rush madly to the elevated when we went downtown to the coffee-house the one we entered was a distinct disappointment to me coming from vienna where the coffee-house is at its best i expected to find it bodily transplanted revised and improved instead i saw a shabby room stiflingly full of cigarette smoke there was no attempt at decoration and the floor was far from immaculate seated at small tables were men playing cards and retailing the gossip from home this particular coffee-house was frequented by cloak-shop workers many of them acquaintances of my relatives to them the greenhorn was introduced and by them his problem was discussed their attitude toward the newcomer was one of benevolent condescension and although i was a stranger to them they were all eager to help even while they were making fun of me more especially because i doffed my hat and bowed low before every one to whom i was introduced at last my fate was decided i was to report on monday at a certain number on canal street bring an apron and try my luck at pressing cloaks as i had never found pleasure at cards i excused myself and was advised to find my way home by way of fifth avenue and central park i still remember the fashionably dressed crowds the carriages and liveried coachmen and the magnificent residences i was most impressed by the churches first by their names and then by their number 
it was eleven o'clock and rather timidly i drifted into one of them it was all strangely new and at first not at all impressive the room was rather unecclesiastical, the people not over-reverent, and the organ-music too secular for my taste. I remember hearing with pleasure the fine strains of the doxology. The hymn which followed I did not like, and when a quartet sang an anthem, I thought I was in a concert-hall rather than in a church. I could not, of course, understand the sermon, and my thoughts went back to my early soul struggles. I recalled my first glimpse of a Christian church— the organ music the dim light the incense and the mystery of the mass i recalled my wavering between faith and unbelief my firm denial of the deity and the latent hunger and thirst for contact with that great something which could not be blotted out by syllogisms and which had defied my defiance of it i thought of home the great series of disappointments my mother had suffered in me, and how, after this useless flight to America, I was penniless on the streets of the city. By nature I am a rationalist, with the outer edges of my reasoning tinged by mysticism, yet in the great crises of my life I have always felt a certain guidance. Of course I willed to do many things, and did them, and thereby brought harm to myself, and no doubt to others, but every outward and upward step seemed to be not of my choosing, and although often they were steps into the dark, they all led to a definite goal. When a friendless youth in that strange church, I listened to the preacher, not understanding what he said, I felt that same premonition which had come to me when, as a child, I heard the Latin chant and saw the white-robed priest, Some day you will be like this, and do this self-same thing. I passed through the door of that very New York church a short time ago, and stood where the preacher stood, whom I did not understand. I spoke of the poor babe in Bethlehem and the boy in Nazareth, of children in the city streets and of the youths who perish there, and then I remembered, although I did not say it, that not too many years ago I sat in the shadow of yonder gallery, penniless and hungry and homesick, and that although the schooling was hard and bitter and the rough road long, I was being led that weary way to prepare me to speak as I then spoke. Dinner was late that first Sunday, and there were guests, among them the first American girls I had met, and that is worth noting. Although they were only ten years, more or less, removed from the steerage, they were entirely different creatures from girls like them in Vienna. They were very self-assertive, exceedingly loud, garishly dressed, and too free in their contact with men, but attractive nevertheless. There were also two sisters from Budapest, thoroughly americanized even to their name i have good reason to remember them for we worked in the same shop they helped me over those awkward green days of my apprenticeship and i have never ceased to be grateful they also told me of cooper institute where they attended classes in literature and at the dinner table we had quite a learned discussion about dickens whom they were studying and whom i knew in an excellent translation they gave me my first few lessons in english i discovered what a sweet potato was and how it tasted somehow i caught the word mirror and added it to my vocabulary and i learned with horror that young women chew gum in america this wonderful sunday had a rather sad ending late in the evening my host went to the saloon through the back door he did not come home at bedtime so his son and i went to look for him and found him lying in the gutter dazed with his pockets rifled 
we carried him home and there was much lamentation for we thought him dangerously hurt when the doctor came i added another word to my vocabulary knockout drops a hard word to remember they were put into his glass of beer after which his week's wages and his watch and chain were taken from him he was the sadder and i was the wiser man for i developed a wholesome dread of that american institution the saloon indeed i carried much into life out of that first sunday the contrasting quiet of the day the repellent coffee-house life the assurance of a job the sacred quiet and uplift of the church the american girls with their chatter and chewing gum their free and easy manners and their generous good hearts a wholesome dread of the saloon with its knockout drops not a bad showing for the first sunday in america End of chapter 5